Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, welcome to Cinema Bias, guys. It's been a minute. We took a little brief hiatus. We're back. Alex, can I tell you how weird it feels to be doing this from like a room instead of my normal Black Lodge? I, I don't know how to talk to you. Like, I don't know how. This feels wrong. Like, you're not on a couch. Like, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel wrong. Like, I feel like no one should, I feel naked in a way. I feel like no one should see me in just a normal room and like with stuff behind me. I mean, I still have the same pattern rugs, but still like there's like a light source. There's clearly some paper towels and a trash can. It's just all very peek behind the curtains. So how have you been doing Alex? It's been a minute. Oh, careful. You're about to say you're about to slip from the wrong thing, but um, oh, it's the wrong thing. Oh, it was like you were sipping like, and it was like on the side and you were like, hmm. it looked like it was about to pour over you a little bit from this angle. <laughs> Hilariously, I apparently also have a green screen on still, so I'm going to get rid of that real quick. That is no longer necessary. Uh, how have you been doing? Um, doing good. I've been trying to get back on the wagon as far as watching more movies. I watched a handful of horror movies on Ooh. Netflix horror movies. Tell me. And I was like, oh, shoot, these are, like, really good. I like these. Which one? <laughs> Which one did you watch? What did you watch? Um, I watched The Old Ways. Which, okay. which I was like, which was actually recommended to me, and it was, it's, it's not a foreign film, but a lot of it, it's like ninety percent of it is actually in, I believe, Spanish. The I old ways. Hmm. The old ways. Yeah. It's, oh, the bold ways. Yes, it's on Netflix, and it's weird. It's about a woman, a journalist that comes to her hometown. I think, in, for some reason, I think keep thinking Colombia or something, Colombia, and. She visits like an old, like the village where she grew up, mm-hmm. and then, but she can't really remember. She mm-hmm. goes to ruins, and then the group of um, locals, like um, locals, find her. They find her like on the verge of death, essentially, by these ancient ruins, and they're like, "You have a demon in you now." And she's like, "No, I don't." What the fuck? Oh no. Like I don't have a demon, and they're like, "No, you do." And you, you just should have had a demon. Oh no. <laughs> And well, does she? Really or is it solid? That's really good. Uh, no, yes. Uh, let me ask. Are you saying bold, like bold flavored Doritos, or old, like in the M Night Shyamalan movie, like bold or old? I can't old, tell. Old, like M Night Shyamalan. Old. Okay, old, okay. Old, the old ways. Okay, that's. 
I thought the twist was going to be just from your the way you were describing it that she was going to be like a clone or like a like a copy of somebody. But it sounds like she has a demon inside her. There okay. is. It's, I was really surprised by it. But not only that, it's uh, a lot of practical effects. It's Ooh. a very small. It's like it's a very small movie. It feels like a movie that was made for like two million dollars, but they make it feel huge. Um, very tight. Everything's really well acted. The visuals are pretty fantastic. And there's a lot of like genuine horror, really great visuals. Okay. You like, sold me. I, I expected trash going into it. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. What, what, what got you to watch it? Why were you, why are you so keen to watch a movie that you thought was trash? Well, I was uh, talking to someone at work and they recommended it. And they, we bonded over both liking, uh, watching like crime, crime dramas and stuff Ooh. like that. And they were like, hey, if you like horror movies, and I'm like, I do. You're like, I do now that I do cinema bias. <laughs> exactly. I actually told her that. I was like, I actually have a podcast now that turned me into liking horror movies. And she's like, yeah. oh. And that was a whole conversation. But yeah. And so as a result, I watched that. I watched another movie on Netflix called The Classic Horror Story, which is, an, I think, an Italian film. Okay. And What's about? What that one about? Sorry, the, most of cinema bias right now is going to be front-loaded with just talking about... <laughs> Other movies Alex has seen. Like my, my, my watch history over the past few days. And it's about uh, a group of people. They're traveling to a remote area in Italy in order to go to a wedding or something like that. And so they're taking this road trip in order to get there. This group mm-hmm. of people, there's like five or six people in this like RV situation. So they travel. Then um, they wake up. Like out of nowhere, they wake up and their RV is in the middle of the field. Oh, I think I saw a trailer for this. Is yeah. it in Italian then, or is it in American English? It's Italian. Sorry. Okay, I think I, I saw an American film, but spoken, but it's, they but, speak Italian, not yeah, speak, speak American. Italian. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Or bad English, or or not good yeah, English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there's um, subtitles, but it's like yeah, they they're essentially open up in it, and there's a huge field. <laughs> I'm Shug Shug Knights in the comments. I'm in the, his mom now, according to Twitter. That's yeah. good. Is it a good movie? I think I saw I, a trailer yeah, for I, this. The ending genuinely surprised me. I was like, this didn't even come across my radar. Are I they clones? It was incredibly meta. I thought it was kind of funny. And I was just like, what, what's happening? What's real? What's not? What's, what? Are, are, are they clones, Alex? You can tell me. Uh, there is no clones. Okay. So that movie, you can guarantee me no clones. But the last one with the devil, you didn't say there was absolutely no clones. So I'm still going with the reason she can't remember anything is clones. And mm-hmm. hi, Shug Knight. Uh, guys, I do want to say, I know uh, we just kind of started off here, but we do have a tip jar. Go to streamlabs.com backslash video drew uh, and get all your tipping needs out and also have them read out loud by like a little schmobot. It'll be fun. Um, also, guys, this is now a podcast in audio form. So if you guys want to hear this uh, and you don't want to see our beautiful faces, always go to anchor.com backslash video drew. You can find all the all the stuff under content candy, content candy, which is our new podcast label that me and your chronic have. It has cinema bias has a bunch of new things. But Alex, Tonight we're actually, this is technically our like coda of the John Patrick Shanley era. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's fun. And this is funny because we both watched, I think between the two of us, at least four different versions of the same film. And with like has three different names, at least three different names, four <laughs> different films. Uh, it's going to be interesting to talk about tonight's movie. Uh, it is, what year did this come out? Like you're going to have to tell me everything about it. It's called The Thief and the Cobbler, a.k.a. Arabian Night, spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, starring 
either Matthew Broderick or a lack of Matthew Broderick. Uh, I think John Goodman. Uh, could I could I test some John Goodman in there? Vincent Price is in it. Vincent Price. Yeah, I got him. I got his voice. Uh, it is sort of like Aladdin E, but also sort of like uh, there's an extra character in there. So imagine Aladdin, but like there's an extra character that whose plot we also have to follow, which is the thief. And mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a bad guy and a good guy. And Alex, just just tell us what what is this movie? Um, if you didn't know, this is uh, this mo this movie, The Thief and the Cobbler, is inspired by a handful of Eastern European tales fused with some um, Arabian folklore that's referenced in Arabian Nights, 101 Arabian Nights. So, in 101 Arabian Nights, obviously refers to 101 tales in in that little book. And not Dalmatians. Not yeah, stories, Dalmatians. <laughs> essentially. And there's a lot of different stories. And it's actually the story of Aladdin is actually just one of the stories referenced in 101 Arabian Nights. Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, or is it 1,001? I think it's 1,001. I think you're thinking of the yeah, Dalmatians for 101. Yeah. 1,001 <laughs> Arabian Nights. <laughs> 101, because the story of Arabian Nights was the meta story was there's a chick who's telling this story to a sultan because he's going to kill her when she's done telling the story. So, mm -hmm. Or like maybe it's a dude or something. I think it's his wife, though. And she just so she keeps making up stories. She gets like a thousand and one stories under her thousand and whatever it is. But it's it's definitely more than a hundred because she wants to live, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Yeah. So, essentially, yeah. Because the moment she runs out of stories is the moment she dies. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like kind of yeah. like us all. Uh, my question is, why don't we know any of more of these stories besides Aladdin? Like, if these stories are so great, I, I know, I guess that after, uh, you know, 400, you start repeating yourself and I'm, things start being as interesting. Uh, I'm sure, uh, we would be more familiar with them if we actually, if they were turned into Disney movies. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to talk about the animation style in this movie real quick, Alex. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if how much I have to say, the show, Cinema Bias, is uh, genuinely, generally speaking, about our sort of biases inherently about why we're for and against some sorts of films and, uh, you know, why we trend towards certain features and against others. But honestly, with this kind of movie, I'm not, I'm not sure if it got a wide release. I'm not sure. You're going to have to fill me in on everything about it. But I don't have a specific bias against movies that I've never heard of. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like that's sort of like a moot point. I'm not sure if I could say whether or not I would see this movie because I don't even know what I'm not even sure which movie we're talking about. This this thing seems to be like a progressive snake eating its own tail where it's taking it's taken years to make. Uh, it's gone through several iterations. The guy talks, the guy's mute, then he talks again. Uh, the one I saw, the first one I saw earlier today had like, uh, I thought like maybe it was just a stylistic choice to have only half the frames, like animated cells actually finished. And then half of them were just sketches of like animated cells. And I was like, this movie seems half done. But it's on YouTube for free, so I guess it's the movie. It's the one that's called uh, The Thief and the Cobbler, and I was just very confused. And then you said, go look up the other one. Looked it up. Apparently, you saw a version that didn't have a narration track, and I did. Mm -hmm. It's um, Well, thing is, this, like, like a lot of movies, movies have been re-released, it has been re-edited, and it has been retitled. Just like a lot of movies around the world, movies get retitled all the time. Yes. Um, obviously. Um, but internationally speaking, this movie was known as Arabian Night in uh, quite a few countries, including um, the UK, um, as well as Canada, Mexico. Um, but here in the US, it was technically released in theaters for like a hot minute. Like <laughs> when? I, when? I mean, like, 
a single week kind of tell situation. me tell me tell me a little bit about this backstory because you said it was a release internationally what is the history here because we know john patrick shanley is involved somehow what was the i know this took a really long time to make what was the genesis of this film okay so there's a huge thing so this movie is actually in the guinness book of world records for the film with the longest film production wow not boyhood this yeah, movie so it literally took over 30 years Jesus Christ. Wow. It looks amazing. It looks yeah, amazing. So, yeah. So a lot of the voice voice performances were actually, including Vincent Price, was actually filmed in the mid-late 70s. Oh, right. That makes sense because I, I didn't think about it. But yeah, how's Vincent Price in a movie? That's not, yeah, he's been exactly. dead a whole long time. It's Exchange Hands. It was t initially directed by Richard Williams, and he was with it up until the very end. However, it changed studios quite a bit. There was a, a time where um, there was a time when Spielberg actually was tied to the studio, and he wanted to be a part of this movie. And then he's like, "This is taking way too fucking long. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't want to be associated with this movie at this point. It's becoming over budget. It's overblown. <laughs> too damn much." um whose idea was, was it like who like was it the writer like who decided to animate it it almost looks like a, I wish I could pull it up but I'm afraid of freezing my screen again uh but like the, the animation style is like super trippy it kind of reminded me in parts of like Phantom Tollbooth uh mm -hmm. like that kind of Chuck uh Chuck Jones sort of style of animation yeah absolutely they did include quite a few experimental visual artists at the time uh, and actually for a good chunk of the later production in the late 80s starting in 88 89 the animator behind who framed roger rabbit he was oh. actually given this project in particular to help assist with wrapping up the animation for the movie before release and that was in eight, like in 88 89 and he was given this project because he was passionate about this project and he's like it's beautiful it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and, and like crazy and, looking and they were in pretty much disney was like okay you won an oscar Mm -hmm. You did amazing for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so you can do whatever the fuck you want. And he's bumping like, the light. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, which he later regretted. We're working on this movie or bumping the light. Which one? Um, working being part of this movie. This movie really? was such a process. It exchanged a lot of hands. It exchanged a lot of um, exchanged a lot of hands. A lot of animators dropped out, came back, and again, this movie. If you were working on the same project for like. A few years, that's one thing. But what about 10, 20, 25 years and beyond? That's insane. Well, yeah, um, and who's paying for it? Like, is there a studio yeah, attached to this? Or is exactly. it just... The, the budget became so overblown at some points. So overblown. And that's why they ended up taking it to different studios. The director, Richard... Um, sorry, I keep forgetting his name. Richard Williams. He actually... Um, after a studio would drop the project, he would sell it to, he would try selling it to another studio that would also pick it up. And, and it I'm, just hands so much. And who was, was paying the bills? Hands. Who was keeping the lights on? Yeah, exactly. It, it was not on for very, very long at all, actually. So, so would it like, it would they take originally? It was, it was originally with Warner Brothers, and then it went to the British Lion Film Corporation, and then uh, it, it 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 was it was really weird. And then it went to Paramount, and it, um, uh, they they at one point they had they had a huge like two hundred and fifty thousand dollar funding by a random Middle Eastern Shah. 
Sheik, like a Shaw, like Sheik a Robert Shaw. Shaw. It's a mentioned Robert Shaw. Shaw is the title, the official title in here that's mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it's so I'm just like I don't I, I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird. And it's and then it went to a few different other studios. It's yeah, and it just changed hands a lot. Oh, this sorry, not Shaw. I stand. I I keep forgetting. It was in the late 70s and 78. The Saudi Arabian prince, Mohammed bin Faisal al Saud, actually gave uh, $250,000 because he was so intrigued by the movie. I mean, $250,000 is a pittance. I mean, how much does this film end, like, end up at 30 years? Animation is notoriously so expensive. Like, the most expensive films to ever make have been like Pirate of the Caribbean and like Tangled. Like, it is and, so expensive. Yeah, and that, that's actually one of the reasons why the ver- the initial version you saw where there's like, or there's entire things that weren't completed is because those things were added on later and the director was like, just do, just put it on paper. Don't like fill it in or anything right they now. They were like, it was literally storyboards. Like the one I saw originally, I thought like, oh, I was like, at first I was like, oh, maybe this is like a very cool, like abstract film where it's like, there wasn't very much talking yeah. Uh, there seemed to be large chunks missing, and then you would sing these single, like basically just flipbook single cell style animation in black and white sketches of like the princess being like, "What's going on?" And, and then like then you would get these cross, like these intensely, like uh, very intense crosshatch like animation where it would be like you know you'd get these lines and surfaces that looked like somebody went through took like a million little zigzags, and I was very like, "Oh, that's cool," because I like making those little zigzag patterns. But then when I watched the other version, like the more finalized version, like it looked incredible incredible like the zigzags like the, they, the characters walk into frame and they walk into like the background foreground animation work on this was like it was like looking at a actually like a piece of it like moving art like people would mm-hmm. they would like merge into the background which had been like a checkered pattern so imagine me you see how this rug matches the background mm-hmm. of cinema bias it would be oh, like yeah. if i if i just like got up behind the chair and i walked behind this and suddenly i become zigzag pattern and like it just looked so cool yeah so like yeah, it's an awesome I'm look. I'm gonna see if I can try font like. Uh, wait, hold up, hold up. I just want to see if I can pull up my, the link that I had. Was um, it not properly finished, Bennett? Like, so here's my question: the it, one I saw, well, like, what thing is? It was not officially finished by according to director. Oh, um, which director? So, um, it's Richard Richard Williams. Okay. And so, when it was eventually like rebought, resold, and they were like, "Well, we." let's just put it out in theaters like for a weekend and see what happens. It ended up not even grossing a million dollars at the time when it was released in 1993. It would gross like 700,000. I said it was a hard year. That's a hard year to release a movie in. Yeah, like you're talking absolutely. about Spielberg, you're talking about Spielberg and Shanley. I mean, that's the year they released We're Back an Animal, uh, uh, a dinosaur story. That's 93, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's the yeah. same year as Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Jurassic Spielberg Park. Was, oh, yeah. John Patrick Shanley was very busy co-writing animated features that year. Yeah, he was, yeah, and honestly, I was just trying to find out how, how, when he was involved in this movie, and he is technically credited, but he's not, like, how involved he was as a writer, and because of how often it changed hands, mm-hmm. I really am curious just, just how involved he was, and also watching it, I don't feel like the script in particular, like, it does not feel like him. Are we sure that he was involved? Like, that's crazy. Like, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, did he like read the draft and as a result get credit? Because that ha- that shit happens all the time in Hollywood. I mean, absolutely. I'm not sure if like uh, Vincent Price was still alive when John Patrick Shanley did a pass of this. If this is what we're saying, because I don't see his exactly. name. I don't. 
I don't see his name on the official thing of this, so I'm gonna Google search it. And we might have just been lying about the John Patrick Shanley part. Um, I know he's like technically, or he's credited or technically uncredited. He's like, it's on his IMDb page. Really? Okay, well, he might have passed through his hand at some point, but this is, I'm not sure if this is a technical, that's why it's acting as the coda uh, <laughs> of this movie. Because um, we know this movie wasn't even always called The Thief and the Cobbler. Like it was at some point changed to Arabian Nights, spelled A. A K N I G H T. And by the way, guys, who I thought was John Goodman, again, assuming that this was a, like a you're back situation, uh, we're back a situation, it's not uh, John Goodman. It's like pre John Goodman. It's uh, John Jonathan Winters. Like, John, that's great. Okay. So I guess oh, it was just yeah. him instead. And it was Donald Pleasance playing the vulture. You know, Halloween's yeah. Donald Pleasance. Like, there's just so many people in this. Uh, this movie that <laughs> they're like so many people died while the making like the animator died uh like this the, several of the actors died before this movie ever even saw the light of day so oh yeah. wait christ died a, a month after this film was released yeah well that was like one of the things that they later talk about how they're incredibly grateful to have him involved in the movie however they were like well Good thing we recorded it in like the we recorded his voice in like the mid late seventies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, because apparently he was like one of the people behind it. Because obviously it wasn't until the the late nineties where the idea of like stars behind animated roles were becoming a big thing. You know, a Shrek, Aladdin, things like that. Obviously, but if if an actor like a well known actor were to take on a voice role it was not because they were told they're going to get profits or anything it's because it was fun essentially mm-hmm. for them i'm looking now and seeing what this thing is i'm realizing which cuts that i've seen because there are uh how many cuts of this there are three uh, there's like the, i think i originally saw the 92 unfinished print that must have been what was on mm-hmm. youtube then I saw the Arabian Night print which is the 95 Merrimax one that has Matthew Broderick uh, mm-hmm. I didn't see that. And it sounds like you saw the 93 Allied Filmmakers cut, which is the one without him talking that much mm-hmm. uh, at all. So that's the like nice single word. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he doesn't say single word, then you might have seen what the recobbled cut. Like I'm trying to see how many there were. If he doesn't say a single word, then I don't know which cut you saw. Uh, um, I don't remember him speaking at all personally, but I could be wrong. Well, then you might have seen the work print. I'm trying to see the other. Yeah, it says the otherwise he's entirely mute. The recobbled cut. Uh, Using original audio track. Okay, so the recobbled cut, which is the more recent cut, uh, actually does not have him talking at all. So you might have seen the most recent version of yeah, this. There, it was it was technically considered a finished film, and it like visually it was a finished film. Brendan's saying I'm the not- Weinstein cut, cut sucks. I mean, the Weinstein cut. To be honest, I was like, this is kind of just uh, it's kind of just Aladdin. Hey, thanks for subscribing yeah. last night. Last <laughs> night. Yeah, it's definitely kind of, it's very, very complicated because a lot of people talk about, oh, this is, I've heard people say, oh, this is the superior version of Aladdin or, oh, this is the inferior version of Aladdin. Mm -hmm. And my first thought is like, in what way Mm -hmm. is this Aladdin? There are things that are, that are aesthetically, and there's a lot of similar colors, obviously, Mm -hmm. but in terms of like character and plot, I, you can't really- Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Okay, so I did not see the one with Donald Pleasance. I saw it with some guy named Eric Bogosian. I was like, that didn't sound like Donald Pleasant. Oh, it's that guy. 
it's the guy who's in succession. Uh, he plays like Shiv's, like uh, the, the Democrat that she's running with. Uh, he went to Oberlin. Okay, anyway, uh, that's funny. So he didn't, it was not Don Pleasant playing the vulture. That makes more sense. But it was Tony Collette playing the Yum Yum's nurse. Yum Yum's nurse. And in the original version, Tack has one line and is spoken by, can you guess who? Matthew Broderick? No, no, in the original version, the original, the original, OG. Um, I'll give you a hint, he's James Bond. Pierce Brosnan? No. Roger Moore? No. Sean Connery? Yes. That's bonkers, how dare you? I, no, I, I agree, it is bonkers, how dare you? It is bonkers. How do nineties? It could have been. Yeah. Uh, no, it, Tony Collette uh, is one thing. Joan Sims was in the other. Uh, I love it. It's the, the guy from Succession who kind of reminds me of the uh, dude from Mad About You, but it's it's just very funny. Um, this is a crazy, crazy story. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Okay, you. I mean, you, you're. I mean, like you're creative. Thank you, you are also you're you're creative you're constantly working on different projects yep your your mind is always like you're doing a lot of things at once obviously how would you feel to be as a creative between put on a project for this long one project i mean are they i guess the question is are they keeping the lights on? Like, I guess the question is like, is anyone getting paid? Because if it seems like it's mm -hmm. bouncing around from studios, it doesn't seem like it's one person's project. Like it was, it, I'm trying to look, it was the director's idea. Like if it has this many different cuts, like who is even like, he who's even like trying to get this anymore. Like who's really fighting for this? Was it Richard Williams? Was that like the guy who, I mean, he's the director, but like, was he the one that was like really pushing this forward and it was his thing. Uh -huh. So if you, if you believe in Richard Williams, maybe you'd believe in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was the animation director on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So like, I get, yeah, I can totally see how it's mostly like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and this movie. That's like the two things that were like the, his animation. He wanted to day. create the, the, the best animated movie of all yeah. time. And I mean, this is sad. This is sad in a way that's like very key, like, was it key? Why am I still trying to say Don Quixote's name wrong? Uh, it's just like really sad in like a tilting at windmills way, but it's also like beautiful. Like that someone would work. I feel like this deserves its own documentary. That someone worked their entire like mm -hmm. for twenty years up until it seems like the time they passed away. Almost trying thirty to, years. It's like twenty nine years. Yeah, like they could work this long on a feature, and then uh, he they died in like two thousand nineteen with it never being finished. Like not in a, not in a, it was released, but it was not, it's still referred to as an unfinished film. Mm -hmm. So like, that's, that's sad, it, but it's beautiful and it's sad. And it's like, you can work your entire life on something and, and not have it finished. Mm -hmm. It's, but obviously people believed in it. Obviously it was Miramax. It was Disney. It, it was all over the place. Um, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit for which again, he did win two Academy Awards was such a big deal. It seems insane that he wasn't going to be able to uh, like get, get this made i guess because it was like coming out around the same times as aladdin and so warner aladdin brothers was probably free like 96 or something or was it was it yeah but like uh like he was supposed to do it i think after like yeah they feared competition from aladdin it looks like oh it was 92 really it was, it was 92. yeah so that's before the official no well 92 is the year they released the original cut of this film so i can see why this went overseas and immediately disappeared oh. 93 yeah. was when Miramax released it. 
because uh, like I guess like Warner Brothers was just like, yes, we don't want it. And then 90, let's see, 90s, like the most recent year was like when they did it again, 2006, 2007, and 2013 is when they've done other cuts of it. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. it is nuts. So like no one knows this movie yeah. exists. It's like Tony Collette doesn't ever have to answer for this movie. Donald Pleasance uh, never has to, to talk about, they never had to talk about this film being made. Uh, Jennifer Beals, who was in this movie, is hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. true. She plays Princess Yum Yum. Yeah. And the Fred Calvert version, which I guess is uh, the, what, the unfinished work print ver version? Let's see. I'm trying to think which one's the Fred. This is a lot of information to sort of try to take in at once. <laughs> the Fred Calvert version was, oh, he was re-edited. He's the guy who re-edited it without Williams' involvement, and then it was released in 93, so he's the one who did it then. Um, and then two years later, the Merrimax took it in Arabian Nights. Okay, so ugh, Merrimax did in 95. This guy did it in 93. The guy who played the voice of Tack in 93's version, the, the edited one that added in a bunch of stuff, uh, played the singing voice in the 95 version, which is weird because you would think Matthew Broderick could just play the singing voice. He is a singer. But you know, he, was, he um, does still do Broadway. I mean, that's a real Mulan situation. Want a Tony? Um, just like BD Wong in Mulan. Why not let the guy who's playing the speaking voice do it if he's already yeah. won a Tony Award for singing? It's it's yeah. It's definitely it's it's really weird. It's production wise. This I I would actually really like to see a documentary talking about how this movie happened. Um, how, What's, why, when the influence. I need to know. Because let's be clear, you're saying they won the Guinness Book of World Record for being the longest film by like over 20 years. That's how long the production, the pre-production, like the production of this film, the animation took. It's mm -hmm. been being released until 2013 in different edits. So technically this movie is, I don't know, 64 to 2013. That's like over 50, 60 years, right? That's like mm -hmm. 50, 60 years? Kind of insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's 60 years of filmmaking for this one movie that is still unfinished. That is that is some like insane Magic Mountain, uh, you know, water peace level intensity. And not only that, what I think is actually kind of really interesting about it is just that it's this movie in particular. I feel like it's it's almost gained its own mythology, essentially. I, I mean, like, if you've heard of it, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, it's like that's the thing. A lot of people have never heard about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you, you're, uh, and the people that I know that are familiar with it, they have not seen the movie, but they know of the movie. They oh. know it as like the offspring <laughs> Aladdin, or they're like, the, they know it as the movie that took forever to make. <laughs> Alex, I got some good news for you. You know, what we, you know what we were just wishing for with our most fervent of hopes that it would, would exist? It exists. What? It's what? called Persistence of Vision is a 2012 documentary film based on animator <laughs> Richard Williams' ill-fated attempt to produce his film, The Thief and the Cobbler. I knew it. I knew it. If they're going to make Terry Gilliam's like version of him trying to make Don Quixote, they're going to make a documentary about this film, the best uh, animated film never made. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you, America or whoever, Canada, whoever made this. Me I need to check that movie out. <laughs> Persistence of Vision. It's a documentary about the making of The Cobbler and the Thief, a.k.a. Arabian Night, a.k.a. Other Aladdin. Poor guy. Poor dude. I'm, I'm so glad someone memorialized this, though. It's definitely a struggle. It's it's really weird when you have movies. And the thing is, it, this movie, it's not a bad movie, obviously. It's, it's good, visually me. stunning. Like, oh, it's, it is, is 
crazy looking, like crazy animation. The stills, the stills are like fantastic. I mean, you freeze a frame and it's just like, uh, it also looks like the work of a madman. Like I can see how this was the guy who made who framed frame Roger Rabbit. And again, came up with the concept of bumping the light, which is, as we know, uh, like moving the shadows around with the animated cells of like, so the shadows of Roger Rabbit moved around whenever, like when he bumped the light in that one scene, that's how mm -hmm. realistic they had to make the animation in that movie. So they had to make little robots that would, would move around and like Bob Haskins had to interact with them because they needed to really have this sense of uh, animating in a physical space. Mm -hmm. So you can see that kind of insanity, that sort of like mad genius at work in this movie. Like the animation is so intense. Like it's so, uh, it looks like, you know, like it, it reminds me of like Van Gogh or something. Like it just like, looks like a madman, but a madman who's also a genius, like animated mm -hmm. this movie, like a crazy yeah. person who's very good at art. <laughs> Every like, um, actually I really want to pull up pictures. Yeah. Can you? Um, cause like, I can't, cause I'll freeze um, my screen. Let me see if I can try because I pulled up, I like, I saved a few pictures. I mean, I can try, but I might then like my, um, freeze, my screen might freeze for some reason. Here we go. Yeah, everything. You know, I remember re uh, watching watch this documentary about uh, R. Crumb, but it was like he was talking about his brother in it, and his brother was like in a mental institution for schizophrenia, and uh, his brother did a lot of crosshatching animation style. Like, like his brother would just crosshatch a lot of images. So, and it didn't look unlike this. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we're talking about. Every frame in this movie is done to a level of like, oh, it's like looking at a. Magritte is that the a painter like it's like the guy with the well, whatever I'm not an art major but it looks like you know one of these intense artistic works of art but it's like it's, every frame of this movie looks like that it's like almost like um um Alice in Wonderland times 50. It looks like something you would come up with on an LSD and then never go like never follow through like the insane part to me and this is maybe what the documentary gets into I hope it does is that this was finished at all like the fact that the animation was ever finished on this movie and it was just a matter of editing is crazy because how you end up like animating an entire movie mm -hmm. with this level of detail. Like, first of all, I want this on my wall. Secondly, this is insane looking like the, like I said, like it is kind of basic in terms of like foreground background until the mm -hmm. characters start like moving between them. And it looks like a piece of art being animated. It's, it's also in the mixture of textures and colors. It's just so vibrant and lovely. And so my, I have to say my favorite character watching this movie, which I completely forgot about since childhood, was the thief. I really found the thief hella annoying, but like I, I, do, maybe I like, totally, I, I totally, totally get that. But he's like, he might have listened to becoming a hero in his own right. He might have also listened to different voice actors. We, I think we had different voice actors doing it, which might have made a huge mm -hmm. difference. Like I'm sure. Yeah, I was like the, but like once, like in the, the very end, he was like, "I have everything I could ever want. I have no need to steal." But you know what? Fuck it, I love stealing. <laughs> I don't think that happened. It that didn't happen in my version. In my oh, version, he goes, he goes, to, he goes to jail. Uh, but then he gets out of jail and he gets made the head security guard of the palace. Oh, I was like the the version I saw. He was um he was taken in and made a hero and given a huge palace oh. essentially. Oh, and he's, like sitting oh. through the palace uses possibly my favorite Ooh. classical music piece, Scheherazade oh. by Nikolai Rimsky Korsakov. I love Scheherazade. It is. I was noticing that too. I was like, how did they get the rights to Scheherazade? I had the same thought, Brett, and I was like, this is an incredibly uh, it's an incredible piece of music to get the rights to. I don't know how they managed to pull that off. But go mm -hmm. them, go them, you know? 
absolutely it's it was really cool um i i like so, like i mentioned the version i saw he's given he's made into a hero he's given this palace and he's like sitting on this like big throne situation he's not a king or anything obviously but he's like ah, ooh, i see something over there that i want and he like leaves and changes into his thief garb and he leaves his palace yeah <laughs> And he's like, fuck, I don't want all this stuff. I want to start stealing shit again. (laughs) That's, I mean, like, look, yeah, I think, I think that kind of happens in my version, but it's more like they just allow it to happen. Like, it's just more like things are allowed to happen. Um, That's what, sorry, I'm like kind of distracted by how the audio came out of the TV instead of where it was supposed to, but I guess I'll deal with that on some other time. Were you able to hear it when the, uh, when the, when Brennan's donation came in? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Um, I just want to keep looking at photos. I realize that's really bring the way to go with this. Photos. I don't know why, but I can't bring up photos. I look at that. Like this is what I'm saying. This I looks like a, a very. Pictures, this but. looks like a very specific uh, art guy. This looks like. And guys, tell me this guy's name. He's also like the inspiration for some uh, visual shots in Shutter Island. Is he did that picture of the men and man and woman in bed together, and they're sort of like floating off. It's like a yellow picture. I had it above my bed uh, when I went to London for that one semester, if anyone remembers that. But, uh, you know, this this thing, this look, this very, like, crosshatch style with, the, you yeah. know, you can see the texture of the curtains, but it also looks it's, like it's the stars. It's it's like this. Yeah. It's the work of a madman. Look at the, the pillows. Look at that bottom pillows below beneath Look them. at the, like, yeah, the it's not only the color choices, obviously, which I think is incredibly unique, but the shapes. And I mean, like, is that that person behind is supposed to be a guard? I don't know. It's is that a person? I thought it was a lamp. Well, so you, look, so I'm saying is, like, this picture would take a, a normal person maybe, like, uh, I'm thinking like a month, a week to make. Like it's gonna take a really long time because think about the cross hatching on the pillow. Look at the cross hatching on the wall. Look at the cross hatching on the floor, and look at the cross hatching on the side of the pillows, and and the the cross hatching on the or I'm not even sure if it's called cross hatching if it's like circle circular, mm-hmm. but the, like on his beard, on the fringes of his robe, and just realize that every picture, like each animation cell, had to be done. To, to, to create movement. So this had to be made with incrementally different, like just infinitesimally small incremental differences mm-hmm. with this level of crotch hashing with no deviation from how it would look. So it's not like he can mess up like one of those little things near the window and have it look different than it did the frame before. Every frame had to look, be consistent and look exactly the same as the frame before it, except for the person moving in the foreground. That's an insane level of being able to like, I don't know, recall, be able to, do that thing or it's you know even when we're talking about movies like um from studio ghibli i was watching a thing recently about like the animation mm-hmm. style studio ghibli the thing that is the trick about ghibli is that like they actually don't animate at that many uh cells per second mm-hmm. like it's actually not that that uh complex of a um yeah of, of a frame rate but what they're mm-hmm. doing is they're adding in all this audio landscape so like it sounds like so if you watch the American dubs, the actual vi- the video looks worse. The quality will like read in your mind is worse because they don't have the audio scape to fill in for all those blank, like missing frames that the yeah. the movie has. Because the movies of Studio Ghibli look like individual pictures that are sort of being moved at almost like a picture book, like flip book rate. This mm-hmm. movie kind of does the same thing, but it has so much more animation and so much less like that Studio Ghibli had at their disposal in terms of uh CGI and anything like that, that would be able to just replicate the background over and over. And so you wouldn't have to go in by hand and draw every single one of those frames. 
like every single one of those cross hatched and across how many frames. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This, this is like somebody's life work. Somebody spent their entire life, adult life, it seems like working on this film only to have it never really get released. Yeah. It's incredibly frustrating. Again, when I ask you about being a creative it, and oh, sure, it's really, it, it's, it's really wonderful to obviously create just to create, but it's also incredibly, I mean, just for anyone to just be recognized for not only all that hard work, but good work when you're making something and you're like, you know, for a fact, this is great work. Well, look, <laughs> I mean, beautiful work. <laughs> he He's a guy who's like, whose name will forever be synonymous. Uh, Richard Williams name. Who all, I mean, I'm just not good at pulling up names, but his name is synonymous with some of the most, uh, some of the most uh, intensely creative, uh, like, uh, ahead of its time filmmaking, animation yeah. filmmaking, which is Roger Rabbit. There's a, there's terminology to explain how he did things. Like bumping the light is a phrase that people use. Uh, like, you know, people love his work, like in specifically in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So it's not like he is like a, you know, what's his name? Uh, Moby Dick guy. He's not like Herman Melville. He didn't die like working at a post office with no one knowing who he was. People yeah, know the name of Richard Williams. Just for people, other people, just like, they ended up, they got to a point where they, they were being passed over. They ended up hiring animators, like animators that just graduated from school in Europe because they couldn't get anyone to join them. Yeah, well, look, I mean. They were desperate. Look, animated, I've done stories before about animation. Animation is very hard to get people for, uh, unless you're Disney. Because, yeah. right, you don't pay very much. Uh, the, it's basically like you do long internships. Like, it is thankless works. Like, it is, I think, like 100,000 hours sometimes they put in for over the course of, like, several years. And, like, just working 24 hours. The invention of, like, CGI for animation was such a huge deal because you could make a robot do 100,000 hours of work instead of you personally doing 100,000 hours of work. And, like, that's why movies with CGI also have, like, you know, there's Avengers movies, animated films have credits that go on for 40 minutes and like require their own cutscene, or like, because yeah. they want you to stick through it because they want you to see there's like hundreds of people, like yeah. almost the thousands of people that make just up one single animated film or one CGI based film. And yeah. they're not getting, it's not like you, you get like a call out for being the person who works on the background scenes yeah. of, of this kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I imagine it's, it's less, it's less, it feels probably less creative than it does feel, especially if it's not your movie. It probably feels less yeah. creative than it does feel like just like by the numbers, like slog. Like I, I, had a, I had a roommate once who animated like the background cells of some CGI in like a, the Spider-Man and like Wonder Woman movies. But it's not like he went to work every day, like with a scarf and a cravette feeling like he was, you know, yeah. his, uh, his own kind of artist. He went in every day and like felt like he was pushing buttons and like worked at a factory basically. My, um, my, my husband's, uncle in law he's he he's a works at uh whatchamacallit light that does the star wars movies he's worked on a bunch of the transformers movies he's worked on like all the pirates of the caribbean movies he like in in particular and every time i see him he's like talking about like new projects he's working on and everything and at the time like um if you freeze frames in particular like he was like he's seen in the background for some of the the prequel, the Star Wars prequels movies. Um, mm -hmm. He's more of a manager now, but he would talk about his drama as like a 
team man animated team manager essentially where he would work with people whose job is just to layer backgrounds mm-hmm. essentially yeah. Yeah. Um, and how difficult it is. If you're like looking at a sunset in a movie, it's never, you're, you're not doing that, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. with a green screen. It's layering different colors and textures and everything. And that's like someone's entire job <laughs> to yeah. do it. So what's but interesting, go Yeah, but it's just like really kind of interesting to him talking about how many, just how many people are involved for one tiny aspect. Well, we can think it's tiny. And by extension, the idea that he was kind of telling and he was kind of mentioned is like, if you notice, it's almost like an editor where you notice if they do a bad job. Mm-hmm. If you don't notice it at all, they did a good job, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm just, this is just fascinating to read about. So what I thought about for a second if Williams started making this in the 60s, he started making this well before Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Like he started doing this, it looks like he started doing this before he knew animation. Mm-hmm. He was doing sort of like a uh, a Steve Jobs thing where he hired this guy, uh, uh, Ken Harris, to be a chief animator. And Williams at that time did not know how to animate, but he had this idea to make the best animated film of all time. And the quote here is, uh, his, his idea was, he wants to make the best animated film of all time. There is really no reason why not. Mm-hmm. The best animated film that's ever made. He also envisioned that it would be going. So remember how I said about Studio Ghibli only doing like so many frames per second? Yeah. Uh, he wanted the animation speed to run 24 frames per second as opposed to uh, 12 frames, which is most animated films at the time. So he actually that's wanted to. He wanted to. He wanted to, again, not, not doing any of the animation himself originally just wanted them to be able to animate things with that level of detail at twice the speed of normal animated movies. That is clearly like the work of a madman. Um, at the, I'm seeing all the stuff about like some Skywalker Ranch, Robert Zemeckis, like there's just, there's just so much going on here. This was really sad. It was like the movie that almost, like that almost was the best animated film of all time. Like it had aspirations that were, you know, you go big or go home, and there's something very admirable and very Quixotean about that uh, that drive. You know, I don't know how many people it sunk, how many people's lives were ruined, like financially, or anything like that, or how many people like didn't spend years with their kids because they were busy, you know, doing this thing. But oh god, the War Machine! That stuff looks so cool here. I just want to show you like some of the intensity of like the story, which we haven't really talked about at all, because it's kind of like a hot mess and all over the place. But just like. <laughs> Somebody like didn't like somebody had a cat's cradle. Somebody had a cat's cradle like relationship with their son because they were busy working on this film. Like you know, we're working on that this exact moment. (laughs) Yeah, and doing this frame and then repeating this frame at four times instead of two times to make it double up, and then repeating that. You know, him taking another step. So the only thing that was supposed to change was his foot going up a little bit more, and then then doing that twice and then his friend mm-hmm. going up a little bit more and doing that twice because everything had to be repeated if it was supposed to be twice as fast. Uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the only thing that would change wouldn't be his foot, but like one of the gears in the background turning. So like mm-hmm. for every time he moved his foot, a gear in the background would have had to make two rotations. Like it's just the level of detail on this. And I do think that there is like some justice to the fact that there is a documentary about it. There is like mm-hmm. acknowledgement that this was a epic project and whether it succeeded or failed, you can't like, deny the the artistic achievement that is even getting this off the ground and making this a 
thing that people can watch if they so choose. Like it might be hard to find, there might be different cuts, it might've gone through studios. Like so many pieces of art that we love and understand as a collective whole, we're actually like hated by the author or creator because you know, Stephen King hates the Shining movie. Like Kubrick hated some of the stuff that edit, you know, the studios would do to release the cut. Just Lynch hates the way that Dune was made. But you can't deny that the movies themselves, whether or not they were the intended final product, embody some sort of genius that I hope, like as an artist, creative type, you're able mm -hmm. to appreciate, uh, like as a legacy issue, if not like in the moment when you're pissed about residuals or whatever you're mad about. Well, something I, I think after watching it, I think it that's what's kind of really frustrating. I can only imagine for Richard Williams is doing all this hard work. And at the time when it was released, getting little to no recognition for it. At, at that point, he was more. <laughs> yeah, for Richard Williams, I feel terrible for Ken Harris, whoever that guy is, the guy who he's yeah, tasked with animating it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, well, well, you can't, that's something you can't argue about this movie. There's things you can't argue about it. Um, where like, well, ambitious, like, is, you know, like, is it better or worse than Aladdin or is the score good? Whatever. The voice performance. Yeah. Well, you know, you cannot argue is how gorgeous the animation is. Like everyone watching this movie is going to walk away being like stunning. It's, oh it does. It doesn't even look like it. It's real. Like there are parts of it, like especially because I again watching the ed versions where half the frames were edited like this. This is what half the movie looked like in the original thing that I watched this morning. They looked like they were just single cell frames because apparently that's what he demanded when he was just like, "Don't finish. Like don't even put it. Don't color it in. Just make it look like this and just like yeah, have it be a flip up." To do it now. <laughs> we don't have the money to do it now, but we will be able to do it later at some time in the future. So just so things look like this, and uh, and I just thought it was a choice. I was like, okay, so they wanted to go all in on some elements of the film. So some parts look like, you know, really intense and it would look crazy here. I'm trying to find a animated GIF. Okay, I found one. Uh, where some of it looked like just the most intense kind of uh, beauty ever. And then some of it looked like just craziness. Uh, let's see, I mm -hmm. think it's this one. Let's see, so pulling that up. So like things Gosh. would look like this. And that's just really cool looking, but it looks like, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoon, but like done like a, an insane person would do it. It's, and it's dizzying to watch. That's look how in the, yeah, I mean, look how not only the things are going in different motions, right? So every single layer of that, like from the bottom floor mm -hmm. to those little spinny round things, those are going in a different direction than the things that are on top of it. Speeds. They're going at different speeds, different directions, different uh, patterns. Different mm. pat I mean, it is colors. It is insane looking and the whole movie i want to go back and watch it because i did that thing that drew does where i kind of uh you know was looking down for a lot of it but every time i did look up i remember thinking i should be paying more attention to this and i kind of want to go give it a rewatch because it does it is visually stunning in a way that uh not many things are like it clearly is the oh. work of a genius oh 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 drew you're kind of frozen dear oh no i know this would i knew this was gonna happen hold on let me go Bye. back out um let's get here uh, can you still hear me? Yes. That's interesting. Okay, I wonder why. I wonder what's going on here. Okay, so I'm doing Streamlabs back up again. Should be mm -hmm. back up in a second. Uh, I don't know why this keeps happening on this new com this new setup that uh, Streamlabs keeps freezing. I think it has something to do with the Elgato uh, video network I'm using. So, mm -hmm. I love talking about this with you though, Alex, because like I would never have not like have any idea. Even after watching the different versions, I wouldn't have had any idea like what was going oh. on here. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I really love about doing this show. I mean, I've there's a lot of things I really kind of put on the back burner. Like, I put on the back burner doing stuff with C2A, Schmobates, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, just because, like, with between moving and um, just a bunch of stuff, it, I was like, I just don't have, I, I just don't have the time or anything all that much. But I really love doing this show. I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean, and, it also, it is just like, like as, as Eric always says, God, I almost said somebody else, uh, as Eric always says, like, this is the one show where I actually just talk about movies. Like all, yeah. all of my other shows, it's like, I'm, I'm discussing other things or I'm doing little bits, but like, this is the one like show where I actually uh, get introduced to new films outside of my, outside of my comfort zone. And this yeah, movie, definitely. this movie will yeah. never be asked about and shipped and down. Oh, I found a version of the shift. I might freeze again, but let's try to see if I can do this. Uh, I found a, let's see, let's see if I can make this big. Yes, it looks like I can. Full screen it. Okay, so this is that cell I that we just saw as a still. Let's see. I think it's this one. That's like the animated version. I'm not sure how big that can be. But that's the animated version of it where it's just... Look at that. Look at that. I mean, look at what's going on here. Like, it's there's like a million different things. It's gorgeous. I don't know. I love this. Uh, I love this film. I'm, it deserves like another watch along, I think. It, it definitely does. And not only that, I feel like this is a movie that I would be excited to watch with other people for the first time. Mm -hmm. Just Yeah, just just seeing it. Like, yeah, it'd be co it's cool to watch cl a, lot, a lot of classic movies. And, and like, like you see reactions of kids seeing the movie Star Wars for the first time and then mm -hmm. being like, oh, my gosh, you are the father? Because <laughs> they just don't know. They're so yeah. young, they don't have no clue. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I would actually love to. And reaction. Like, yeah, I would love to see reactors do this, yeah, like watching the real rejects. Watch. Yeah. You know what? I would oh, actually yeah. put this in. You know who would be great reacting to this movie is Amon and Abby. Like Who? they would act, Amon and Abby, like uh, that, that Amon oh, Snow yeah. and Abby. Yeah. Oh Maybe, I would love to see them. Yeah. I'm going to like recommend, I haven't talked to them in a while, but I'm going to recommend that they watch because I think they would love this movie, first of all. Uh, and second of all, like I would just love to see their like delighted reactions to this film. Mm -hmm. It is, it is such a cool looking piece of art. I, you're right. I mean, as a, I guess, thank you for A, calling me an artist, but B, as an artist, uh, like it does. It, it is this, uh, you can't just like help but be inspired by it and be like, okay, well, even if I'm not, even if I put in all this work and sometimes it feels like my stuff isn't being recognized or I'm not as far in my career doing whatever that I, I think I should be, like, it doesn't really matter as long as you're doing the work that like makes you feel inspired and I guess that you're putting in that much effort and you're doing this thing. This is a very, very small picture. I wish I could make it larger. Let's see. This is it's what I was talking very, about, the background, foreground. It's Hold very on. Ed Wood in that way. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like, it's, yeah, I would love to see a fictionalized version of this made by those guys who did Ed Wood and uh, um, not super bad. What's it called? The one that we watched with Eddie Murphy uh, and Wesley Snipes. Oh, uh, yeah. My Dolomite is my name. Yeah, it's like that. It's like just it's just a love letter to the process of making art. Like, look at this. Watch how he see how he goes from the background of this to walking down this two dimensional like schism pattern, like, and this guy's walking down this way and he's just going through what looks like it would just be a flat surface. The guy in Brown, it's just crazy. Amazing, amazing work. Yeah. It's, it's also, it feels like a love letter to a lot of artists. Like, yeah. oh shoot, what's his name? Like 
Escher or oh, it's Embassy Escher like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, very, very much so. Especially that. Oh my gosh, there was like this one picture. Um, I, it's like, too bad because I wish I could share because I actually saved the picture on why, my why computer can't you share? so I can pull it up. Why can't you well, share okay, it? How do I, because um, usually I can like pull up and like pull up pictures and stuff. But here we have on um, there's overlay background. No, go video. to share. No, no, no. Go to where like the bottom of the screen where it says mute, stop, cam, cam, mic, shares, invite. Yeah. Yeah. Go to share. Press share. Yeah. Share screen. Okay. Share screen, and then go to either pull up the picture or pull it. Put it in a Chrome tab. Uh, you can go to window, so you can open it up in your computer and then oh, go to that window. It's not coming up on. It's uh well I think it's not a link it's like just like something on my desktop. Doesn't matter. Just open it up on your desktop, then go to share screen window. Hold up, hold up. Yeah. Oh, Yay. and I'm frozen again. Oh, so good. <laughs> I'm gonna have to figure this I'm out. Gonna... Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back. Are you talking uh -huh. to me? Are you talking to the picture? Oh, I'm like talking. Sorry, I'm talking to the picture. So yeah, you open up the photo so it's open on your desktop, and then you go to window and. You can pull okay. it up. Ooh. Hmm. Or you can, whenever you get the picture, you can just uh, save the link that you found it on, like open in a new tab. I always, that's what I always do is press open in a new tab so it's its own picture that's and then just share the screen. Well, yeah, it just says StreamYard or entire screen. I don't, I'm not sure. So do you see when you press share screen, it says video file, share screen. Go to entire screen, then there's the next window over. It says window. And it says, when I it over from that, it says Chrome tab. Mm -mm, I don't have that. You said it just says share entire screen? Mm-hmm. Huh. Weird. Weird. Yeah, that's why I was like, and usually I can like just pull up a picture on. Um, you want to send yeah. me the link backstage and I'll pull it up and see if it freezes my screen? Um, yeah, it's just like, Woo! I don't know why. This thing oh. is nuts. Oh. Um. Oh, I'm frozen again. We're gonna have to figure this out. I don't know. I'm gonna try to uh, do this one through um, Elgato then. Let's try to do okay, it. Okay, I'm just gonna send some links in the background and hopefully something will pop up. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, fuck. No. Oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of it. Oh, I'm the only one here. Hi guys, um, hello. And so, hey, I just kind of curious. I put a post out on Twitter a little, just a little bit ago, asking, have you seen or even heard of the Thief and the Cobbler? So, if you have, awesome, amazing, love that. If you have not, totally awesome as well. But I'm kind of curious if you have been intrigued by this to go watch it yourself. Or have you, if you've decided, hey, this is not for me, it's, it sounds too weird, it sounds too boring, I don't know. I would love to know your thoughts on it if you've been part of it all. You have not seen it, Eric? I feel like you'd like it. I know you kind of like the, you kind of like artsy stuff a little bit, like Drew and I. So I'd be curious to see your uh, idea on it. Yeah, it's boom. <laughs> um, I I just I pulled up uh, put up a link in the private chat of it has a link to a bunch of pictures. Yeah, well, I'll try to do it. Let's see if it breaks my computer again, Eric. Uh, Nerdcon, we're gonna have to figure out why this why I can't seem to run Streamlabs in this Elgato thing simultaneously. Uh, it's freezing. Right, it's okay. 
Um, so that's do you want, this is just like a this is just an article. Do you want me to find? Yeah, oh, you can just scroll down. It has like a bunch of the pictures I was like trying to find. I have to sign up for something? No, I don't want to sign up for No, it. you can just exit out of that part. Where? Oh, I see. I see. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. God damn. Yeah, just like, yeah, pull up the pictures. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it. So here you go. Boom. Nerdcon, I think you would love this just from the way that you loved uh, that, that video about like how we they did the bumping the light thing. Oh, yeah, not that one. That's. Not a but. <laughs> uh, which is there a specific picture you wanted? Oh, um, let's say it's uh, but it shows like the yeah. If you just kind of scroll, there's the one. It's like the. Oh yeah, there it is. Like especially the middle one, the colors, the vibrancy. Um, like like I was mentioned that MC the MC Escher. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see the the colors as well. How they kind of transition quite a bit. The depth of it, which I think is very, very much in like light of the directors, but also like the color patterns, like looking uh, at the entrance to this castle like area. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, the idea that you would have to animate these individual cells, uh, mm -hmm. and the fact that again, he started in the 60s before he knew how to animate, but so yeah. you know what? Thankfully, this guy held himself to a standard that was as intense as he would hold other people to, because otherwise, we just have a Steve Jobs situation where he had mm -hmm. this idea. I mean, it really is this kind of callous thing where he's like, I just want to make the best animated movie of all time. Why not? Like, why shouldn't I be able to do that? I don't know how to animate necessarily, but I could just hire somebody to do it. And uh, why, why can't they do it? Like, it's just that kind of like, I'm just going to be the uh, delegator of this idea that I have. Um, and everyone else has to like work out the financial or like the uh, logistics and financials. But he, he yeah. actually learned actually how to do it. Yeah, there's also I, I think it's kind of it's really interesting. I, I think the character the the vi the character visuals of each of the characters I think are incredibly unique. Everything from the vizier zigzag. Um, yeah, his name is zigzag he, straight up. He he's like the I think his his introduction I think alone is is pretty incredible. Um, I I read an article about how the director he wanted this movie to feel very much like a silent movie in terms of physical comedy and i'm yeah. like totally agree with that you're right on the money especially with the character animations with you know being tack and being the version which version you see where he speaks little to nothing at all yeah <laughs> and just like the physical comedy behind it and especially zigzag's character and the way he's so exaggerated and like the way he's like um his character introduction where he they roll out the carpet for him and he does this like long weird walk <laughs> with the shoes yeah i want to show you something that i think is very depressing which is uh and we look weinstein has done a, ter a lot of terrible things in his lifetime but yes. this seems very very bad on a different level than we usually think of him being bad so here is the original uh this is the original artwork for the poster of this movie hold on I want oh, to show boy. you this. Oh uh, yeah, this is this is not going to be great. So hold on, search Google for image. I'm going to make sure if I can find a bigger version. Uh, so here's a large version. Yeah, so here's the version that uh, they had for the original movie. Ugh, it's not doing it. So try here. Uh, open link. Um, so here's the original version. Yeah, here we go. Here's the version that he had for the original film, or that they had for the original film. Boop. That's it. You see that? Look at that. I mean, that really gives you a sense of the, what the movie is going to look like. It is incredibly detailed. It is currently complex. It's kind of like a 
kind of makes your brain skits out a little bit, but like yeah. there's 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 like 80 different animation styles just in this one picture. Like the mm -hmm. font and things speak of one thing. The oranges the are the, the yeah the ball the balls look like they're from another like era or like the kind of filmmaking, and then the, like the intense crosshatch which we just saw a picture of. Now this is what happened when Weinstein's company Miramax got a hold of it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Let's see. I they, think this is what the this is what they decided the cover of the movie should look mm -hmm. like. And like that's just messed up. That's and just it's supposed up. to be reminiscent very much of Aladdin, uh, Aladdin's early, yeah. uh, earlier success, which was still going strong. <laughs> and yet, that was what people. That was also what they were. What W the Warner Brothers was afraid of happening. They were afraid of it getting associated with with a uh, with Aladdin. So it's funny that like. Miramax took and was like, no, it's going to be the most like Aladdin. We're going to add in songs. And by the way, the songs they add in are so bad. That's why I did think John Patrick Shanley might have had some involvement because it did have that weird like sense of weird back where it was just sort of like, we're going to stop the movie dead in its tracks and people are just going to do this little song. But there's not going to be enough songs to qualify it as like a musical. Kind of like Willy Wonka where you're like, is it a musical? Because like there, there's not that many songs. Not every character gets a song like Augustus Gloop and Mike TV and like uh, uh, the chick who chews gum, most of the kids don't have songs, but then Veruca gets a song and then they kind of mm -hmm. drop the song part after like uh, her song, except for the Oompa Loompas. Like, is that a musical? This kind of has that feel where like the chick gets like two songs, Yum Yum gets like two songs. And then like the, the people they run into in the desert get a song and then that's it. So I'm not sure if your version was a musical, but mine kind of half was. Yeah. Did, you, did yours have musicals in it? Like musical numbers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yours did? Yes. Okay. So I guess there, there was originally a part of this. Oh, God, this looks so cool. It looks, is nothing like Pr Princess Bride. <laughs> and it's nothing like Princess. There's nothing at all at all like Princess Bride. However, there is a lot like Aladdin. Like there is a lot of just story, just story beats that like Aladdin. He I mean, it's like jail. Yeah. He's taken by the it's a, court. Of, it's a, it's, I mean, it's the one of the most famous stories from... 1001 Arabian Nights, so I'm not surprised. So again, <laughs> there was 1001 of those stories. Not all of them could have been original. But like to the element of it being like the evil, uh, you know, uh, like guy who's working for the king is putting like the king in a trance and then putting like the, the main, our main hero in a jail cell and then being like, no, come out and like do this for me. Like, and he's got a bird for like a, a, a like a familiar like there is a lot to recommend it they have to go to the desert there's a lot mm -hmm. that's aladdin-ish she's got her own song about how she wants to be free of this like palace life like it is very it is very much like in the first half at least like aladdin and then it becomes like kind of its own thing and, and stops being mm -hmm. like aladdin yeah you're yeah you're totally right uh eric yeah the poster is very similar for sure um, oh yeah really yeah the, oh the image oh yeah the poster image of the, the image guys is absolutely was princess the... right out yeah what, when was Princess, well, Bride, Princess Bride was released in like 87, 88. Oh God, I was way off. That's like, yeah, that's like Robin Wright. 87, you're right. you're right, you're right, it's 87. Good, good mm -hmm. memory, Alex, good memory. You know what I'd love? I would love to get a tattoo of this. Maybe this is actually the kind of thing my sister would do a great tattoo of, because my sister is really intense into cross-hatching and doing uh, like stick and poke hand done ha tattoos, so without a machine. I feel like she could actually do a tattoo that would look mm -hmm. kind of exactly like this. And she kind of has that dark well, style. If you were to get a tattoo yeah. from uh, referencing this movie to some capacity, what would it be of? I think if I got like somebody who was able to do a large enough piece, 
Probably, I mean, it depends. Like if it has to be on my body forever, it's like kind of intense to think about. But if somebody could do this and they, you're basically asking someone to be as good of an artist as as these people were. Well, I'm just asking, is there any visuals in front of yeah, particular movie that is. you really, really love? There is, there is. I'm trying to find it right now. So it was not this one. It was not on this page. There was just, there was a couple of visuals here. It's the elephant graveyard stuff. Uh, mm. uh, here, this thing. I'm not going to try to find the animated one because I think that's what's getting out my computer. This is like what I'd want a image of. Oh yeah, that or like that or like that with the Twin Peaks aesthetic. This movie also has in spades. Like that zigzaggy stuff is very, is very much me. The, um, I actually something actually we haven't really had a chance to talk about it because I was uh, especially the visuals behind it because I thought it was actually really interesting visually. Uh, quite interesting was the visuals behind the not just zigzag but the i don't even know what they're called the the big the, metal warrior dudes the the one eye one eye is yeah the one eye and like they like the female like the female one-eyed creature the, people the witch the witch no just like the like the female servants essentially they like oh, made, yeah. made themselves into like a chair yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking it was, about. Yeah, it was just kind of, and they're all kind of wearing these like black bikini kind of things, and their skin is green. And I loved, I loved that whole thing. I wish they'd focused on the version I saw at least more on the one eyed, like the Soren. First of all, one eyed, it's literally Soren. Uh, it's like a like an embodied version of Soren from Lord of the Rings. The alligators were very cool. So at one point, like it almost seems like, by the way, this narrative gets so fractured because we're following this. This Aladdin story, but then we're also following this thief who's not related to the Aladdin story, but like is trying to, he kind of like is the catalyst for a lot of stuff that happens. Like he's the guy who steals the balls. He's kind of just like the, he's like the hamburglar, as I like to call them. Like he's the guy kind of like going in and messing up because he's got his own agenda. He's not really interacting with any of the characters in the movie. Like he's kind of just like sort of like the Falstaffian like fool who's just going in and instigating a lot of the events that then occur. But then, like, the bad guy gets his own like arc. Like the killer from January Man? Yes, he's like the killer from like January Man. But you're getting, at least in my version, you got his internal narration as well, and it was a lot. That's the part that really lost me. That was the Jonathan Winters sounding like John Goodman. Just mm -hmm. constant, like, everything he did, like, was like, ooh, like, and it was all jokes. It was all these hackneyed, like, like really bad jokes about, like, don't go up there without underwear on, or else, like, people will be able to see your hiney. Like, stuff like that. It was just so dumb. I hated yeah. it, but now I'm realizing it wasn't supposed to be there. He was just supposed to be like a almost like voiceless character too. Like Gary Oldman, yeah. the fifth element. Yeah, kind of like Gary Oldman, the fifth element. He's off doing his own thing and it's it's interacting with everyone else. I, so dude, then, I love Gary Oldman and fifth element. That is, he, he's like- he's, this, I'm oh disappointed. God, so weird. What I almost watched during the fifth <laughs> element was I almost forgot where that phrase disappointed came from. And I thought that that's what he said because he does say I'm disappointed like two times in a row. And it sounds like he's about to go into the Hercules- disappointed like he does in the professional when he goes everyone and, that and he, cool. like, yeah, he says it to his um he says it to himself when he discovers yeah um, i'm very disappointed like he says it he like says it i am very so disappointed. disappointed so is it that like weird that i thought that i conflated hercules going disappointed with the uh with gary oldman in the professional yeah. going everyone with gary oldman saying disappointed in the fifth element no i think not. yeah same thing this is how my brain works people absolutely yeah of course so i also want to say though the alligator stuff reminded me yeah the the stuff about one-eyed was 
phenomenal. That was my favorite animation stuff uh, mm -hmm. because it was so dark. That. Yeah, it was so dark. It was so cool looking. I also thought the guy's voice was great. Apparently, this guy wasn't an actor. He just sounds like Keith David or something. He's a black mm -hmm. man with a very deep voice in the version I saw. Uh, oh, I'm not sure yeah, about your it version. Seems like, oh, like, yeah, I remember looking at his name. He's, a, he's like not famous though. Cause he wasn't an actor. Yeah. He just had, he, the guy met him on an elevator and was like, oh, I like your sound of your voice and gave him like a job. Uh, he, it's also very like Nazi-ish like looking things, but it's, it is where the cross hatching comes into play in this way that is just, just fucking outstanding. Like fucking truly outstanding work. I'm gonna try to make this bigger. Like, look at, look at that. Look at that level of fucking everything. Like just as an image, just as it's still an image, this is incredibly impressive. As a moving image, it's insane. There's a lot going on. The colors, I, I love the color choices throughout this whole movie, but especially the, the, the color choices to show the good versus the evil are really, really lovely. But also as just mix of different patterns as well like in that one in particular you see everything like everything going on at the bottom like usually i don't like busy movies mm -hmm. i don't like movies um visually busy movies where i'm like there's just too much going on i don't mm -hmm. like i don't know where to look but this one it's the whole thing it's you have to like deep dive and you got to know there's so much going on and you just got to absorb all of it and the styles keep changing because as you see, this is very different looking than the crosshatch stuff. Mm -hmm. This is very like, this is very big and swollen like bodies. This is almost like a, a Picasso or something. Like this is yeah. the, the inspirations. It's not just all that intense crosshatching, although there's a lot of it. This is like, you know, this is a totally different art style. This is like mm -hmm. the bad guys version. See, there's all made up of different women. This is directly an inspira uh, inspired by Dolly, that Salvador Dolly picture of the skeleton. Uh, where it's the skeleton is made up with different human women figures. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Like this is this is obviously just an homage to a bunch of different things, and it is incredible to look at. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and that's without getting into like, yeah, I really did actually really like the backstory, or not the backstory, but like the story that developed with the uh, evil zigzag, and then him being like a dark arts guy going over to one eye and one eye not really trusting him. And like, the, I really thought that part probably had a bigger through line that they ended up not using in the version I saw. Where I was like, oh, it seems like they're developing a uneasy friendship with one another. Oh no, wait, like they're not. And then the fight scene was very, very short. Like the fight mm -hmm. scene in the Merrimax version is like two minutes long because immediately Tack does one thing. He like puts a, he puts a tack in the wall because like the witch tells him to attack and then he realizes it's, he means put attack. And it, the attack does the one job it's supposed to do, and then everything crumbles for the bad guys. It's very much there, a deus attackima. Apparently, there was oh, so pretty, so cool looking. <laughs> um, it. That's a thief, I, by I the way, in the middle. I'm sorry. That's the thief in the middle. I'm just telling people. Yes, the thief. The this this movie, like I mentioned earlier, this movie, if there was no sound. Um, and if it was like, it was just, it was like exclusively a visual film with no sound to any extent. I feel like it still would have been great because it's, there's a lot of, um, every, a lot of things that make it, that's really funny about it. It's not from speaking roles or anything like that. It's from the animation, like him, when he's like, he feels like he's in trouble or he's like trying to figure something out. He does this, he wiggles his ears and he like does a whole bunch of stuff and attack in particular 
he speaks very little depending on which version you are listening to but he's constantly the way he moves and and everything it's just it's really fantastic but even the these the 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 one-eyed monster soldier things <laughs> uh it's it's they do speak they're the leader to speak a little bit but mm-hmm. he, despite that it's all like it's all about the vibe yeah more than anything the feelings it gives you as the audience and just you get everything you need from looking at them mm-hmm. there's no like hidden extra character development behind them or anything like that everything you need is from looking at these characters yeah i think this is probably one of the most beautiful films probably ever made and it's that's saying something considered it was never made (laughs) (laughs) it technically was never made uh it's just it's so god it's so gorgeous i'm gonna go back and rewatch it honestly because i think Mm -hmm. it deserves it deserves more of a deeper look than the one i gave it if you ever do a watch along that would be dope yeah, because I'm also realizing this is going to be a funny one for people to listen to as an audio podcast because we're just going to be talking about the visuals of it the entire time so and be like, look at, the, look, look at how pretty this is. And they'll be like, yeah, uh, we can't see it. It's very funny. Um, Alex, we also have an animated film coming up next week uh, that no. I know you're super excited about. Uh, guys. guys, John Patrick Shanley's science is officially over. Whether or not he worked on this film, still unclear, but uh, it's officially over, guys, and we're on to a... We're on up to a little hiatus between this and uh, I think Mangold. We decided was going to be our next one. Yes, James Mangold. Yes, whose work. Um, uh, so excited to like lead up to his uh, new movies that are coming coming out because it's come to our attention that both of us have seen like a good little mix of of his movies, but neither one of us have seen all of them completely. It's more than just Logan and. To be honest, I think I've seen yeah, zero of his movies in entirety. Logan, oh, I've, I've not seen it in its Horror entirety. Oh no, I've seen. Harry? Nope, I have seen Identity. That might be the um, one. Wait, hold up. Have you Longest Yard? Nope. No, sorry, not you know, Longest. Uh, sorry, not Longest Yard. Uh, Walk the Line. That's what I'm thinking of. Nope. I have seen Girl Interrupted. So two of his movies I've seen. Oh, and I've seen Three Ten to Yuma. Three. I've seen three of James Mangold's movies, but uh, not the rest of them. Man, uh, Girl in Charge is not only one of my favorite right. uh, coming-of-age movies. I actually had a huge bigger fest with someone saying it's not technically a coming-of-age movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, I guess because she's technically like uh, – no, she's, no, she's still a teenager. So it's, yeah, yeah, no, she's 18 in the movie. She just graduated high school. Yeah, yeah, I think it counts. Oh, wait, he directed The Greatest Showman? <laughs> I've definitely seen The Greatest Showman. No, he didn't direct it. He was an executive on it. I haven't seen Greatest Showman, to be honest. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. But he's doing the upcoming Indiana Jones movie next year. Yeah. So we're excited about it. We're going to go through all of his movies starting. Oh, I have seen Oliver and Company, but starting with Oliver and Company, but not next week, because next week we are doing we're doing a movie next week that Alex has been so exciting for for guys, so long. Guys, if you hadn't noticed already, Drew has a has a emerging passion. Yeah. Tell him what it is, Alex. Yeah, Pokemon. And so we're going to be covering one of my favorite animated movies of all time, Pokemon the first movie. It is by far my earliest theater experience that I remember. I'm sure I've been to theaters before that, but I don't remember them. (laughs) Yeah. But 
I remember going, waiting in line with my friends and my dad and my mom at like whatever time and must have felt like midnight to me being like seven years old or whoever the fuck and watching it in theaters and I cried my eyes out and I rewatched it again in college. I still cried because surprises me. Uh yeah, I, I've just gotten through all the original Pokemon, so we wanted to wait until I had finished Pokemon, the exactly. original Legend. Uh, by the way, I also beat the Pokemon game that I've been playing on Switch. So Which everyone, one? it's um, did, it was Let's Go Pikachu. I oh. beat that one. It was really good. Uh, it was really fun. Eric helped me, but I did beat it. Uh, I did beat the final boss. I did such a good job. No big deal. So I am technically now post Pokemon Master, and I have all the cards and stuff, and I have a Mimikyu hat because Mimikyu's my gal. Uh, I don't know if she's a girl or gal. I don't watch the new generation, but but it doesn't matter. I had so many thoughts. So I've now seen it. I've now seen the Pokemon movie. I watched it over the weekend. I have so many thoughts about like what is going on there. Like what a tonal difference from like the show. Like jarring difference between like the the ideology and like the the themes of the show with like what the hell happened in that movie with the uh, with Mewtwo. Just insanity. Uh, Wait, so I've so already seen it. I just saw it this weekend. I oh, just okay. saw it. Yeah. So I, we're gonna be like, talking about it next week. Uh, we're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus on it next week. It's been it's been a few years since I've seen it. I saw it. Uh, I rewatched it in college. I want to see. Did you watch it with the little mini movie at the very beginning? No, I don't think so, Eric. Did we see the mini movie? I don't think so. With to- that focus on Togepi. No, <gasps> I didn't see Togepi do jack shit. Togepi was not in this film. Did <sighs> they have to explain why Togepi was not in the film? I just. Uh, no. ex- I- no, no, no. It, there was like there was like a mini like 15, 20 minute video um, about all the Pokemon going to essentially going to a water theme park, essentially exclusively yeah. for Pokemon. And I love it when they do just I love it when they just do Pokemon stuff where they can't if the humans aren't involved. Pokemon, there's no words. If the Pokemon's um, communicate, they're only they're com- com- communicating in Pokemon language. <laughs> I love oh. Oh, I love it. And it's just like them going through, uh, there's like a situation where um, one of them wakes a Charizard or something, and they go through like a series of like, not poke battles, but Pokemon competitions on like who can swim faster. I will watch it. I will watch it, but we have to save this conversation for next week. But can this conversation also include what I thought about the Pokemon finale? Like, what the hell was that ending? I get what it was trying to teach kids, but it had nothing to do with the rest of the show. Like, what a hard lesson do kids have to learn to get all the way up to those final battles and just be like, sometimes you just lose. Sometimes, like, you didn't train hard enough, Ash. Train harder next time. Then go cheer on your friend, and then your friend's going to lose. And that's life. It was, like, a very good – it's a good metaphor for Schmodown. It was a perfect metaphor. That's also a very necessary conversation to have with kids. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to lose sometimes, and what are you going to do when you lose? You're going to have to be okay with it. Absolutely. If that had been the message throughout the show – that would have been one thing, but Ash won every single battle, oh, yeah. despite like despite not being very good at being a Pokemon trainer. He won every single battle, and anyway, we'll save this for next week. Uh, because we're at let's see the hour and a half mark. I think it's time to wrap up here, Alex. Yeah. Uh, this has been a very fun and invigorating episode. Uh, Alex, where can people find you? You can find me up there at real underscore Alex Mac and. Uh, you can find me on tw- just on Twitter, trying to reach 300 movies, first-time watches before the end of the year. I am currently at 162. 
So, wish me luck as I inch my way closer. Yeah, um, good luck. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive into more animated movies or the next potentially over the next few weeks and some James Mangold with you. Yep, I'm excited too. Uh, and guys, always remember you can uh, become a patron, patron.com backslash video drew. You can come on, there's like a tier where you can come on and suggest a movie for Cinema Bias and come on the episode and discuss it with us. Uh, there's a bunch of fun tiers. Like I said, there's also now uh, anchor.fm backslash video drew, or you can look it up on Spotify, Content Candy. You can find all of Cinema Bias. Every single episode of Cinema Bias is now in audio podcast form. We're working on getting uploaded to Apple Music. That takes a little bit of time. But consider donating because this is this is a big production studio now. We have like a bunch of shows, uh, not just video shows, but like audio shows. Me and Lon Harris doing Garmin Shosia. Uh, we have um, me and Eric doing the Video Chronicles. There's going to be a bunch of new content coming up as we ramp up production. So please consider donating via Patreon subscription or however you feel comfortable. Um, Patreon will just get you a couple extra perks. Um, I think we have a live in the dark guest. If not for this week, then maybe the next week. And it's somebody who I've played recently. And fingers crossed, I think they're going to be in studio, like in this studio. So we'll see. But get get excited for that. Um, yeah, and, and then all the other stuff I do. Uh, video chronic quizzes. What are we doing, at Eric, Thursday? I, I know we had some idea for a quiz, but I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, and study sessions and why are we like this with me and Adam Collins. We just had our first guest and I think that's, ugh, I think that's it for me. Oh, and check out RT Essentials on Roku. If you have Roku channel or Peacock TV because, uh, or like the Rotten Tomatoes channel, because I've been writing a lot of content for them. Like every single week I have new assignments for them, writing scripts for Mark Ellis and uh, Nas Perez, who is the other host of that show. So check it out. Always give likes and subscribes and comments, whatever you can. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Boop. And then I find the exit. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs>